Welcome to Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice stories. Today's show was produced on the lands of the Yuin Nation for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast nationally through the Community Radio Network. I'm Beck Horridge. Nature wants to thrive. It's not out there trying to defend itself from us humans destroying it, but it should be able to stay there peacefully and thrive in a beautiful ecosystem. That's Takisa Frank. Today, Takisa explains her connection to the forest she lives in on Ewan country and the impacts of taking trees and why New South Wales forests need protection now more than ever. Later in the show, Jocelyn van der Moelen gives us practical advice on doing roadside banner events that make your message visible to passing cars. Akisa Frank, hi. Where are you speaking from at the moment? Hello, um, I'm speaking from Ewan country on the south coast of New South Wales, surrounded by the Brumman and Shiloh Crossing State Forest. Oh, that sounds really beautiful. Can you tell me a bit about yourself, please? Wolowani Naga Takesa Banaga Aboriginal Gonja. Hello, my name is Takesa and I'm a proud Aboriginal woman. I live on the Ewan country on the south coast of New South Wales and am surrounded by the South Coast State Forest, including Broomin and Shiloh Crossing State Forest. I have lived in this area my entire life. I have studied a Bachelor of Geography at the University of Wollongong and are very passionate about protecting our native forest and making sure they're sustainable for future generations. You've got the Broomin State Forest around you. I have been there. It's beautiful. Can you describe it for us, please? Yeah, it is a really beautiful state forest and, you know, I've grown up learning to swim in the Clyde River, which is one of the cleanest rivers in New South Wales and runs through the state forest. And as a child, ran through the forest with my three siblings. We have a lot of tall trees, but also a really good, like, foreground with, like, ferns and really alive with different animals and plants. There's been a lot of changes in the forests up and down the east coast of Australia in recent years with the fires, and also your area has been logged. What's your response to what's happened in the forest in your area? In 2019-2020, I was present in the forest where we saw a lot of it got burnt with you know my neighbours and community who stayed to protect their houses but also protect the forest around their houses and the forest that we live in every day. And so we saw this area get extremely devastated through the bushfires. And then one month after those bushfires, New South Wales forestry came into the forest and started logging the same forest that we tried so hard to protect. On one side of the road, you'll see a bush with no canopy because it was burnt so hot that it hasn't had time to recover. And then on the other side, there's New South Wales forestry taking the only trees that survive in the bushfires, trees that our native animals rely on for habitat and food since the bushfires. Growing up with the forest surrounding you, you kind of really get to know your forest. You know when it's hurting or suffering, but you also know when it's thriving. So my gut feeling is that this logging that's occurring is such an easy thing that can be changed. You know, we've been through such natural disasters of, you know, the fires and flooding which have been damaging our forests and we can't change them because that is a natural thing that's occurring mainly because 
of the humans' choices made on this planet resulting in climate change. But right now we have the ability to say, no, we aren't going to log our forest for firewood and wood chips, but we're going to let it sit there and thrive and grow into this beautiful environment that we so importantly need. Yeah. What's your vision of what it could be like? What could happen? What should happen? You know, what do you think is the ultimate benefit that we could have once native forest logging has been stopped in New South Wales? Yeah, we are definitely at a crucial turning point. I've been talking to campaigners that have been campaigning against this logging for so many more years than me, and they also agree that we really are at a crucial turning point. We know that, you know, either we stop this soon or we're going to have impacts that we cannot get away from in the future. So what I see for our forest in the future is that, you know, we're not logging them, we're sustainably managing them, but we're also using them for things such as ecotourism. You know, everyone wants to get out of nature these days. They want to come down from the cities they live in and experience the forest that we have here. However, forestry in New South Wales in these Broomin and Shadow Crossing State Forests haven't actually implemented any ecotourism style kind of thing. You know, there's no walking tracks out here. There's no bike tracks out here. So we really have really good opportunities to get away from a really destructive industry known as, you know, logging our forest and can move towards an ecotourism area that is a sustainable managed forest that can thrive for many generations to come. If you were nature's voice, Takisa, what would you say? Well, that's a really complex question and a really thoughtful question. Yeah, you're always coming from this human perspective and kind of, you know, forget that. Outside of the human perspective, there's you know, millions and millions of animals, critters, flora and fauna that are living in these forests that work so well together. And if you take one of those things out, I guess in this example, our large trees affect the small plants underneath those large trees you're impacting every other species in that ecosystem from the little animals that rely on good soil to the big animals that rely on hollow-bearing trees for habitat. So I think getting that across to people, the importance of every species in an ecosystem, even how small it is, how big it is, I think is really important because then we can kind of understand the importance of maintaining those ecosystems and not impacting one section and understanding that it will actually impact on every other section of that ecosystem. And also, you know, the nature wants to thrive. It's not out there trying to defend itself from us humans destroying it, but it should be able to stay there peacefully and thrive in a beautiful ecosystem. Thanks. One way to look at the impact of taking the trees out of the forest You can look at cultural, social, heritage, or economic, or even spiritual impacts. What do you see as some of the impacts of taking trees out of the Broomin State Forest to Kisa, Frank? Yeah, often we're always looking at the environmental impacts when we're logging our forest because, you know, that's one of the really big important ones. But as you mentioned, there are so many more impacts of logging in these areas. And I can kind of walk through a few of them. So if we're talking economic, there are small businesses located in these state forests that are privately owned and privately run that depend on the health of the forest. They depend on the health of the river. For example, the Clyde River Blueberry Farm is a blueberry farm 
on the south coast ran by a local family and they rely to be able to pump water from the river to irrigate their blueberry farm and the other veggies and produce they grow there. So by logging our forests, we are in turn then adding pollution to that river system and if that continues to happen, it could result in that farm not being able to pump from that river. And if we go into cultural issues, all over this country we see sacred sites that have been around for tens and thousands of years. And these cultural sites are really important for Indigenous people. I learned so much about my culture by visiting cultural sites with elders growing up and they're such an important educating and learning tool. But by logging in forests in these sacred site areas, we are damaging these cultural areas. We are damaging these cultural sites. And that's going to impact Indigenous culture and spirituality if we keep destroying these sacred sites because of the reasons why they are so important, teaching and our next generation of Indigenous people and elders. And so, yeah, I think probably on the show, a lot of people talk about the environmental impacts of logging our native state forest. We have animals that rely on hollow-bearing trees. Hollow-bearing trees take 80 to 120 years to form a hollow, and we're taking them out faster than the forest produce these hollows in these trees. And the impact that we're having on flora and fauna is just so crazy, and the impact that that then is having on climate change and the larger environmental picture is also really damaging. The biggest thing is education. A lot of people, even in this local area, don't know the logging is occurring, let alone people that are living in cities and not surrounded by the forest every day. So learning about what is happening in New South Wales and Australia with environment issues such as this native logging issue is really important because then you can kind of have the important discussions with your friends and family about the importance of protecting our native forest. And a way to do that is following groups that are campaigning on this issue. For example, the Bob Brown Foundation or the Nature Conservation Council. And then there are a lot of local groups. For example, my local group, the Bremen State Forest Conservation Group, has a Facebook page where we regularly update about what's happening in the local area regarding the logging. Okay, thank you. The Nature Conservation Council has been doing a lot of work on stopping native forest logging in New South Wales. And what was the other one you mentioned, Takisa? The Bob Brown Foundation. Bob Brown Foundation. Yes, they do excellent work on saving forests. Takisa, thanks so much for talking with Earth Matters. I can't wait to meet you in person sometime down in the forest on one of the walks or one of the canopy campouts with the gliders, the insects and everything that is there. Thank you, Takisa. Thank you for having me on the show. And if anyone listening is keen to come out into the Broomin or Shellow Crossing State Forest to get in contact with the Broomin State Forest Conservation Group and we'd be happy to bring you out in the forest, show you some of the amazing natural wonders out here, including one of the largest spotted gum known in the world. Yeah, so for people listening that don't know, Big Spotty is 72 metres tall and is measured to be the largest known spotted gum in the world and is located in a compartment that is due to be logged in 2023. We are really campaigning hard to ensure that Big Spotty is protected because even though Big Spotty is protected because it is so large, it doesn't stop the trees from around Big Spotty being logged. And when you log the trees surrounding Big Spotty, you're going to open up Big Spotty 
to more wind and more environmental issues, potentially damaging and killing Big Spotty. How do people find out where Big Spotty is? Any ideas to Kisa? The easiest way would be contacting the Brimman State Forest Conservation Group. It is kind of a trek to get out there and you have to know how to get there in order to go to see Big Spotty. But we do tour that to Big Spotty regularly and are happy to show anyone that wants to see Big Spotty out there. Yeah, meeting Big Spotty was definitely a peak experience for me, just such an enormous tree. And um, it's just hard to believe that the government and forestry and can't see the value in protecting the whole forest around that tree. There's, there's beautiful watercourses nearby. It would be just a fabulous draw card for tourism in the area. All right. Thanks to Kisa. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. That's to Kisa Frank. This is Earth Matters, bringing you news of the changing environment and the resulting hits to social justice. I'm Beck Horridge. While people in New South Wales are starting conversations about protecting koalas, swift parrots, gliders and powerful owls, in Victoria, we're not out of the logged woods yet as Vic Forest contests the recent court decision to redraw logging guidelines in favour of greater gliders. And in Western Victoria, although the wombat forest is to become a national park, it's still being desecrated by salvage loggers using a legal loophole to take timber. And in Tasmania, the battle to save the tarkine continues. But to return to preparation for the New South Wales state election and the massive effort all over New South Wales to get the next New South Wales government to protect our forests, to raise the alert, New South Wales forest defenders have recently halted bulldozers at Bulger, New South Wales on Beripi country, Double Duke State Forest south of Lismore, and Penchat's Herons Creek timber mill near Port Macquarie, and in the Yarrett State Forest near Taree. Jocelyn van der Moulin uses big banners by the highway to get the stop native forest logging and save our wildlife message across and the banners are seen by hundreds driving past. Jocelyn, thanks so much for taking the time to catch up with Earth Matters. I know you've been really busy preparing your campaign to stop native forest logging in your area, you in country near Batemans Bay, and also the whole of New South Wales, with the New South Wales state election coming up on March the 25th. How are you and what have you been up to? Hi, Beck. Thanks for having me on your show. Our group has been working with other groups and we're having monthly forest embassies on the Prince's Highway in the lead up to the state election. Forest embassies. Now, I've seen a photo of them and I've seen them briefly as I've whizzed down the highway. Banners, people. What are you doing and what's your strategies? What we do is we have a Facebook event and it's co-hosted by several groups, the local group that we're co-hosting is the Broomen State Forest Conservation Group and also the Bob Brown Foundation is helping us. They come along as well. 
And we had lots of banners, a car, a table with information, and the banners let people know that we want to save native forests, that saving native forests is climate action, that we want to end native forest logging. And people beep the horns as in support. And hopefully it's a conversation starter and that people in the car talk to each other about the issues. This is part of outreach and public education for a campaign. It's always a sorely needed aspect for any environment campaign and it's it's an essential part of any campaign outreach and I can see that your group has been very effective. Why are you choosing the highway? Are you doing stalls at markets and shopping places as well? We find the highway really effective for logging because logging is hidden. People don't see it. So we have the the forest embassy at the corner where the logging trucks go by. And it's also, it's a reminder to decision makers, you know, so politicians, public servants that are involved in, in the logging, that the locals are there protesting about it and they can't get away with saying that nobody cares. But particularly in this South Coast electorate, it's going to be a tough race to win that. You know, we've got to keep it on the front page. But so by regularly having an event, it's just a way to keep your issue in the public Arena, And we also back it up with uh, media. So every month we pick a different angle to sort of write a story about and then follow that through, you know, with local tourism operators, for example, particularly in the, in the last school holidays. But it's actually quite easy to do. Last year in, they were logging in Mogo about half an hour further down south and we did a forest embassy there on the corner of the road where the logging trucks came out and then a local Lynn, she's a disabled woman who uses a walking frame. She just kept the signage and then she just said she did it whenever she got angry. So it's quite easy to do. You just get some banners, tie them to existing structures, have your car there and you can also have some signs on stakes. But, you know, if you are organised and do a Facebook event, other locals can come along and, and it's a very safe thing to do to just show your concern about issues. You've not only been reaching out to cars going down the highway, but also going directly to people who have the decision-making power, or some of it, because they're in the State Parliament of New South Wales. And you've been taking some of those people and the media on tours into the forest. Tell me about your experiences. Just in late January, uh, Nature Conservation Council New South Wales organised a tour of, of local New South Wales politicians in, in the forest behind us, and we went along. So that included two teal candidates for Manly and Vaucluse, and also the local Labor candidate, Anna Green. Not only did we show them the logged forest, but we also took them through a beautiful forest that's due to be logged. Um, they had lunch in a, in a beach forest which had, you know, moss-covered logs, meandering creeks. It was just a beautiful area. And, and the outcome was that these independents, these Sydney independents, have taken that back. They said to us, we cannot believe that this area is due to be logged. So you do need to take people out to see it, and then they understand what the issue is about, and then they take it back with them, and we'll do something about it. So we also do forest tours after each forest embassy. So the forest embassies are on Saturday morning, and then we pack up and carpool and and take people out in the afternoons. And the idea is to engage people who can then use their sphere of influence to to progress your cause instead of trying to do everything yourself. Notice that your groups and this style of organising really does attract people. You have quite large attendances at these events into the forest and been on one of them. And we went to see this massive old tree, huge old tree, 
big Scotty. And it just towered above us. And then all these kids came laughing down the track and, and they were only too happy to hold hands around this tree with me, but there wasn't enough people to get right, right around the tree. And now I read that big Spotty, who must be many hundreds of years old, that the trees in the same compartment are actually due to be logged this year. I just cannot believe that, that the government would do that. This is a major tourist tree. It's one of the biggest trees in New South Wales. What's going on? Yes, that tree, because it's 72 metres, so it is the tallest spotted gum in the world, and it is in a logging compartment. It's in North Broomen, and that the status of that logging compartment is planning. Um, I mean, that tree itself will not be logged because it's over a metre across. Pacified as a giant tree, but you know, when they cut down all the trees around it, it exposes it to wind and there's a risk of it blowing over. So I'm sure that there'll be a campaign about that. What this just goes to show is that we need to have our timber for construction coming from the softwood plantation sector on marginal agricultural land and just leave our wild natural forest standing, you know, for biodiversity, for carbon storage and for recreation. We just shouldn't be logging. It's a contested industry. And so that's what all of our sort of work is, to just keep highlighting that. We need the locals to keep being reminded about this so that then they take it to their MPs and and councillors and, you know, get everyone to keep talking about it. The uh, campaign to stop native forest logging in New South Wales has been going on for probably about 40 years now. And when surveys are done, the community often wants to stop native forest logging been a bit of a riddle of why it continues. It seems to be a hanger-on from the past, while most of the production of wood for building has moved into plantations. Do you have a sense of what the solution is going to be? Any ideas of solutions? Oh, absolutely. I believe the decision is coming to get out of native forest logging, to keep those forests standing for biodiversity and for carbon storage. So the, the thing that has changed is the understanding that we need to have carbon storage and forests with old trees just need to be kept standing to, to get bigger and draw down more carbon. At the last federal election, climate action was the biggest issue. So I just think hopefully we get a change of government with a, a minority government with a, with a crossbench to hold them accountable in New South Wales and that on a, on a national basis we just keep focusing on the need to keep forests as well as to stop you know, burning coal and gas. But on a federal level, people can get involved. They can go to the Bob Brown Foundation Vote Forest website. They can sign up to activities uh, Fridays for Forest. They can email their local MP. But what this activity shows is that no matter what cause you are, are campaigning for, if you get out regularly and, and have a public presence, not just at markets, but in busy streets in your communities, it really helps with your campaign. What do you do when you come across somebody who disagrees with you? And Have your stalls or banner-holding events ever been heckled? Oh, well, yes, of course. We get the odd jeers on people driving through, but also we do talk to people in person. Uh, personally have spoken to logging truck drivers and... You know, I think they're in a situation where, you know, the industry and government need to be planning for plantations. So it's about talking through the issues and exposing people to different ideas they may not have taken into account. We are having one final vote for the forests on the Thursday before the election. So that's all around New South Wales. Um, that, that'll be a Bob Brown Foundation 
events. They also have Fridays for Forests every week. It's a sort of a new movement that started on the coast of New South Wales. So, again, people can just get a photo taken of themselves with a sign just saying that they support the movement or any sort of activity. What do you put in your car when you're off to do a forest embassy? Well, the main thing is protest signs. So we have a couple of banners. One's actually a forest embassy banner. Another one is Stop Native Forest Lobbying, and it's got ropes. And we've got actually four very tall stakes. And we put the stakes in the ground and stretch the banners across that. And we also have other signs with stakes on them and we bang them into the ground. I think the first time we all held signs, but when you're there for two or three hours, we found it easier to just have the signs all in place and then we can actually spend the time chatting and catching up. Yeah, and if people want to just see what we're doing, we've got the Facebook events for the Forest Embassies on the Friends of the Forest MoGo Facebook page. And if they would like to be involved in national activities, the Bob Brown Foundation has a Vote Forest website And in New South Wales, they can sign up for Fridays for Forests, but also they can email their federal MP, so that's a national sort of campaign. That's Jocelyn van der Moorland. Well, how do you make a banner? Cotton polyester works well. A roadside banner needs to be quite big, three or four metres at least. You can sew a slot along the top where you can slide a rope through and mark out the letters with a ruler. Use acrylic paint or an old house paint to carefully paint the letters. I'm Beck Horridge. You've been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced for Radio 3CR in Melbourne in Wurundjeri country and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous financial support. And if you'd like to get in touch with Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page on Earth Matters 3CR Radio or follow us on Twitter at EarthMRadio. If you'd like to listen to or share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash earth matters that's all for today's show thanks so much for sharing this time with us the earth matters team will be back next week with more environmental and social justice stories during this show you've been listening to bird song recorded by andrew shioch and sarah koshak in their album a morning in the australian bush now let's hear the kookaburras